remember that the Schaefer Theological Seminary Conference will start this Monday. That will be at West Houston Bible Church. That's uh, Robbie Dean's church. It's on the internet. You can go to um, deanbibleministries.org. It might be .com, but I think it's .org. And that will give you the all the information on the conference and how to get there if you're interested. Also, you can get it live streaming, the entire conference. So if you uh, can't go to Houston to get it, you can live stream it. So if you go to uh, Dean, let's see, RB, Dean Ministries, or you can go to, I think it's uh, Dean, Dean Ministries, just it's West Houston Bible Church. You can do that. You can do www.westhoustonbiblechurch.org and it will give you a link that will tell you all the information about the conference. And if you can't make the conference, at least you'd be able to uh, live stream it. When they, and, and it, of course, it will be archived also so that you can hear it as it is going on or you can uh, get it later. And I always get the the um, <coughs> the DVDs uh, of the entire conference, so that we'll be able to have them in our library. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we probably will be able to do shortly here for this church. I mean, for Country Bible Church, so that people around the the country that uh, are getting DVDs now, if they want to tune in, uh, they'll be able to live stream. We ought to be able to do it. I don't know why we can't. I'll have to talk to Ron about it further. But <coughs> Right. Mm -hmm. Whenever it starts, uh, you'd be live streaming it. Right now, it takes a couple of days before they hear the messages. Of course, you can... Every, every message that we have is... I want to say taped, but I, we don't have tape anymore. It's recorded <laughs> onto DVDs and, and CDs and so forth. But that will be able to, you'll be able to hear it live. And that means we'll have to start on time <laughs> uh, each, each, each lesson. So keep that in mind. Also, this is Communion Sunday, this, this coming Sunday. And let's see, is there anything else that I need to remember? The, the what? The luncheon? Yeah, the, you mean after the communion Sunday? Yeah. And yes, Mary? Well, that's, that's the next. I, I'm, I'm kind of fluid right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't know from not one day the next, but one hour to the next, my whole schedule kind of varies. Let, let me just say this, and I wish I could say this sooner. I will let everyone know Sunday for certain, if we're going to have Bible class Tuesday or not. If we do miss a Bible class, it will only be Tuesday. And I have a lot of irons in the fire I'm juggling to decide. By then, I'll know for certain. Okay? Yes? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting what on the Internet? Oh yeah, I've looked to my <laughs> my internet note. <laughs> internet. Uh, I don't know what we use my internet uh, information giver. Okay, that's all right. Well, if it if Sunday, I will announce it and it will go out to everyone that we know over the uh, internet. What it what it's going to be, so the people that are here, the people who aren't here, uh, will get it over the internet. Okay, are, have we started recording yet? Okay, but you can kind of you can't take all that out. Oh, I bet you can. All right, it's time to rebound. <laughs>
We'll have a few moments of silent prayer to prepare ourselves, and then we will get into the Word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word, how rich and deep it is. As we continue to learn more and more, we find out that there is more and more to learn. And each time we reach a new plateau of learning and wisdom, we need to just pause and be thankful for what you have revealed to us. The more that we learn in your word, the more that our hope, that is our confidence, that you will do everything that you say that you will do and that we can trust you implicitly. And so we thank you for another time here that we can come and feed upon your word. And we pray that we won't waste the time by being distracted, but even in the intricacies of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we will bear down and learn these things for you put them there for our benefit and we need to concentrate so they will become part of who and what we are in our soul, long-term memory, that you will be able to use it at the right time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, if you'll take your Bibles and open to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. This is a, pretty much of a technical part of Scripture, but it is very important because this is the chapter that tells us so much about when the Lord is going to return for us. We can tell when the day of the Lord is going to begin, what has to occur before the day of the Lord begins, why that is important, and how we can incorporate this into our realm of doctrine that will help us trust the Lord more, have more confidence in His Word, understanding that even though the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, truly God is in control. He has revealed the great things that are yet on the horizon. And it's for our edification. So we're going to start in verse 6 tonight. We've already <coughs> covered this a little bit. But by way of review, we're going to look at verse 6. I'm on safe ground because the verse before this, verse 5 says, according to Paul, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? So he was reminding them that he's already gone over it and he had gone over it again. And so I can go over Verse 6 again, I'm on safe ground if Paul can do it. He's a good guy to follow, I would say, in his mode of teaching. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6, And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed. Now you know what this is talking about. It's talking about a restrainer that we've already uh, met and found out a little bit about. The hymn is Antichrist. Antichrist cannot be revealed until the restrainer is removed so that in his time he may be revealed. There is a precise time, the perfect time, for Antichrist to be revealed. And he will not be revealed a moment before or a moment later than when God brings it about. The only thing is, it's a mystery to us as far as when this is going to happen, but we can be assured that it will happen. And we can also glean other information from this that helps us understand the eschatology that we're studying, the, the future things. Paul continues the thought he presented in verse 3. Here he presents the third thing that must take place before the day of the Lord begins. And he doesn't state who or what restrains him, that is, Antichrist, 
because the Thessalonians already knew that. He's telling them you already knew. I just have you ever read the Bible and thought, well, I wish he would just give us a little more information. He couldn't name who it is. If he would have just give us a name, there would be volumes of theological books and endless discussion on who this might be. But God the Holy Spirit didn't make any mistakes. He didn't reveal it. Maybe because he wants us to discuss these things. Put the pieces together and you can come to a pretty sure conclusion. It's not, we, we can't be dogmatically, emphatically sure because it doesn't say. But we can get enough doctrinal information to, to weed out just about everyone or everything that it could be other than who Paul was talking about. He says, and you know what restrains him now. In that verse, uh, the thing that you want to uh, that you want to really catch on to is the what. What restrains him now? And that Greek word for restrain is kot echo. It's a participle, present active, accusative, singular, neuter. It means to hold fast, to restrain, to hold down, or suppress. The present tense indicates that the restraining ministry was already in force and working during the time this epistle was written. This is also verified in verse 7, which we are going to get into shortly. So, caught echo means to suppress or hold down. So that... In his time, he may be revealed. Jesus Christ is in control of history. Antichrist will be revealed when Christ decides and not a moment sooner. It's not up to Satan. It's not up to the Antichrist. It's not up to any of the legions of demons or the hierarchy of fallen angels, not even to elect angels. None of them have anything to say with when he is going to be revealed. This is God's decision, and it's in the proper time. This reminds me of Ecclesiastes 3.1. Remember we went over this last time? To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Things just don't go throughout history willy-nilly. It's because God is in charge, and it happens the way that he would have it happen. So that it is in his time that he may be revealed. Apocalypto is an infinitive and it's the aorist passive, the passive voice, again meaning that the Antichrist is going to receive action in order to be revealed. He is not producing the action. Someone else is producing the action and that is God and the action is that the, that the restrainer will be removed. And no doubt he's grooming people. We went over that already. Now, will it help if I have the notes up here as I continue to go over this, what we've already gone over uh, shortly? Yes. You have a question? Apocalypto is an infinitive. Yeah. It may be revealed. All those words in the Greek is one word, apocalypto may be revealed. And it is an infinitive. Usually when an infinitive is used, it would be like to run, to buy. It, it, it doesn't have um, a mood. It's something like, uh, that... Uh, and this is in the passive voice. Mm -hmm. And it's the aorist passive, meaning it's going to be revealed at a particular time. And it's going to be... The, the Antichrist is going to receive this action. And then we looked at three, three potentials of who this may be. But before we looked at that, we made, made the point that your viewpoint, your understanding of when the day of the Lord begins will color, will influence your idea of who this restrainer may be. Some think it's Michael the archangel. And we went into Daniel chapter 10 verse 13 and 20 through 21, and then we went to Daniel 12, 1. 
Here's Daniel 12.1. Now at that time, Michael the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, that would be Jews, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. So we look at the word Ahmad in the Hebrew. Y'all remember that one? And it is translated here, will arise, are the ones that stands over. And we went into some detail as to why it appears that the proper rendering of this would be to arise, that would be arise to the occasion, to stand up, to be put in place, ready, ready to defend the Jews. And this is where we had this already. Uh, we went to several dictionaries to uh, show how that is uh, translated. Here it is to uh, arise, to come on the scene, to appear, to prop up, to support, to lean against. And we just suffice it to say that we decided that or looked at the Scripture and the evidence points to the fact that whether it is Michael who is standing down or whether it is Michael who is arising to the occasion, in, in neither case does it fit the context of what is going on here. We can tell that from Daniel chapter 12 that it is talking about what we call the tribulational period. Do you all understand that when I say the tribulational period, I'm talking about the seven years that is also called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's also known as the judgment phase of the day of the Lord. And it's also called Daniel's 70th week. So when I use these terms, the tribulation the judgment phase of the day of the Lord, or if I'm saying uh, it's the uh, Daniel's 70th week, I'm, we're talking about the same thing. So in Daniel 12, it's nailing this down to that time frame because there's only one time that things are going to be worse than they ever have been or ever will be, and the Bible says it's at this period. And verse 12 goes all the way. Well, let's look at verse 12 again. We just saw it. I have it on the board here. Now, at that time, what time is it? Well, it describes it in, later in this verse, the time of distress such as never occurred and so forth, that the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. And then it goes all the way. See, that would be at the beginning of the tribulational period. And then it says in, uh, in <clears throat> later on in the verse, and at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. So we've gone from the beginning to the end. When are, when are they going to, uh, the ones that are written, found written in the book, y'all all know what he's talking about, written in the book. We're talking about the book of life. These are believers. They're going to be rescued. When are they going to be rescued? At the second advent. And we've spent probably most of the time looking at Michael and disqualifying him as the restrainer. Because if he's standing up in order to protect Israel at this time, which I think he is, that is his purpose, to keep them from being completely annihilated, then it doesn't match Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, because if he's standing up in order to prop them up and help them, he can't be removed, can he? I mean, if he's removed, he can't be functioning that way. And if, if, and if you took it and said that, he who stands guard, it means to stand still. In other words, for whatever reason that doesn't follow the context that here you have this worst time and instead of standing up and protecting them from being annihilated, he's going to just relax. He's going to let whatever happens. He's just standing still. He's going to let this happen. But that does not fit either because in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 and following, it says that he will be taken away. Being taken away is not the same as standing still. So the whole scenario does not fit. So we've pretty well, well, not pretty well, we ruled out Michael as being the uh, one who is the restrainer. We went through this, um, and here's a, uh, here, that was one reason. Second reason is that, well, yeah, I just gave that he's been taken out of the way and not just standing still. The third reason is not... Uh, Michael is because the mystery of lawlessness already existed worldwide 
in Paul's day, this mystery of lawlessness is not just for the Jews, it's worldwide. And Michael's job is to defend or guard only one nation, Israel, not the entire world. He's assigned to Israel. And then the fourth reason, 2 Thessalonians 2.6 uses the neuter gender participle for the restrainer. And verse 7 uses the masculine gender. And in the Greek, Michael is in the masculine gender only. So whoever the restrainer is has to be comfortable whether it's the neuter gender or the masculine gender. And this number 5, I did not give you. I found this one today and added it to here. And so this is new ground that we're covering right here. Number 5. You didn't, I didn't, did not give you number 5 last time. And this is a... Um, well, maybe I did. Let's see. Yeah, okay. Now, I gave you this, and I'm thinking number, uh, point number five on the next one. Note that the other understanding of Daniel... Let me paraphrase this. He's just saying, if you look at Daniel 12:1 as Michael standing up, uh, vigorously ready to support and defend Israel, it still uh, does not fit the description of the restrainer, and I told you that a while ago, because he's going to be removed. He can't do that job if he's being removed. Now we went down, could it be the Holy Spirit? Now here are reasons that it appears that the Holy Spirit could fit as the one who is going to be the restrainer. First of all, he has the restraining ministry in Genesis 6.3. He says, my spirit shall not always strive with you. The second reason is because the Holy Spirit's restraint of lawlessness has been a significant factor in the administration of God's rule over the world. Because this restraining work of the Spirit belongs to the administration of God's rule over the world. And because God is sovereign, only God has the authority to remove the restraint. You understand that? This cannot even be delegated to an angel, not even an angel like Michael. This is something that we'll see has been ever since the, the garden. There has been uh, lawlessness. And actually, you can, you can say that, well, lawlessness comes in the form of, in a, in a general fashion, of Satan. Satan is always trying to uh, throw a wrench in God's plans. He's always trying to get believers to turn against God, to be apathetic towards His Word. He hates believers. This has been his scenario from the beginning. But also, mankind has within themselves, within himself, the old sin nature. And that also is lawlessness. We, we are prone to do whatever we want to do. We don't like someone to tell us, no, you can't do that. We don't like that. We just want to do what we want to do. But none of this, as we'll see as we'll get to this, is the mystery of lawlessness. This is something that's different. And we'll get to that when we get to verse 7. I'm still uh, giving you potentials of who this can be, this man of lawlessness. Uh, excuse me, I mean the restrainer. Romans 8.2 refers to the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is that believers have within them. They have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They have the potential of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is a constraint on lawlessness. And certainly the Holy Spirit is involved in that. The fourth thing with regards to the Holy Spirit is that even though the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, there is certain ministries that can be withdrawn, that can be taken away. And the ministry, his ministry, if indeed the Holy Spirit is the restrainer, which I think he is, if, if his ministry of restraining the Antichrist, or I should say that restraint on wickedness is removed, it will allow the Antichrist to come into power. So that, that part of his ministry can be removed, and he's still going to be functioning during the tribulation. Why? How do we know for certain that the Holy Spirit is still ministering during this trib tribulation, Daniel's 70th week? How do we know for sure? Right. This is going to be believers. Believers are spiritually dead. They can't understand the gospel apart from the uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit to make the, the gospel, which is spiritual in nature, clear and perspicuous to them. We call that common grace. And then you have efficacious grace also. And then we see number five is the Greek word pneuma is the word used for spirit, and that's in the neuter gender. 
That's what's used in verse 6. And then in verse 7, we have uh, the masculine gender given. He or him to refer to the Holy Spirit. And you have the, the, the verses there. Okay, now we get to tonight. This is uh, March. I didn't give the date when I started, did I? Okay. This is March the 3rd, 2011. If someone gets this far and they're trying to figure out who it is, they're going to say, well, you're a little late. What, what, the, what the date is. Now, this is the one that I added. Number six. You haven't seen this one. This has to do with the Holy Spirit. And this is a quote from uh, volume 97, Bibliotheca Sacra. And it has, this is from the Dallas Theological Seminary Journal. And this is a quote. He says, Sometimes he, the Holy Spirit, operates by way of restraint rather than by constraint. Here's an example. Balaam was a man who loved uh, the reward of unrighteousness and would have cursed the people of God to obtain it. But the Spirit of God came upon him to restrain him it says to confer Numbers 24.2. This is when, where this took place. And to compel him to bless instead. Little did the Israelites know of this at the time. And little do we know how much damage the enemy might do to us if he had a free hand. God was protecting Israel from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Balaam was greedy. He wanted to curse them. And God would not allow him to do it. He restrained him from doing it. And it was just another day for the Israelites. They didn't know that God was doing that. And what he's doing is saying, how about us? We're going to get to the mystery of lawlessness in a moment. And we're going to see how the Holy Spirit, if he is the restrainer, which I think he is, is going to, has consistently restrained. But we live in a wicked world, don't we? We can say, well, he must not be doing that great a job. I mean, look at the mess that the world is in. How much worse would it be if the restrainer was not restraining? That's the question. We don't know, even in our individual lives, every day that we go, we go on our merry way, we have no idea what God is protecting us from. One of the worst people that you will ever meet that does not handle traffic well is the guy behind his pulpit. I don't like to be, I don't like to wait. I don't like to be slowed down in traffic. And I, I tell you what, I, I, I use this, I'm, I'm going to explain something to you. I used this just, uh, I think it was two days ago, thereabouts. Someone told me one time, well, when you're slowed down, it could be that God is protecting you from an accident that you might be in up ahead. And if you try to just press, he might just allow you, okay, if you're going to be that way, go ahead. I was on the way to church. We were working on the church, and it was in the morning. And I was going to be here on time, uh, top to hill, and here comes a house. They were moving a house. And so I had to pull off the road and I had to wait. It was way on the top of this hill. It seemed like it took forever. During that time, I'm looking at my watch. I mean, the, the world isn't going to end if I don't get here exactly on time. A lot of times I get here and I'm the only one here. I mean, it's not hard and fast. But I'm sitting here, but I do like to be on time. So I'm thinking, hmm, well, what do I do now? Uh... Oh, yeah, the Lord might be protecting me from something up, up ahead. And that really helped me out. I said, okay, Lord, just however long it takes. And it made it much easier, made it more, more bearable for me to sit and wait for that house to get by, and then I was on my way. Now, I know this is just the charge of the mosquito. That's a little bitty thing. But the principle is there. We never know. Well, maybe sometimes we do, but probably rarely do we know all the things that God does to protect us. And how many times He has put restraints on those who would harm us. Those who would have evil intentions towards us. And this is what He's saying. He's saying, He did it, the illustration is Balaam. He protected Israel. Maybe, I don't know if they ever knew it. 
Certainly they didn't know it right then when it was taking place. So, that's what I wanted to show you was another an illustration that the restraining ministry is going on. And it's ongoing and it will go on until it is time for him to be removed. And the purpose of the removal is so that the most wicked person, this Antichrist, can be revealed. Now we're going to press on to the next, the third thing that I'm talking about with regards to the restrainer in verse 6. I said it could, some people think it might be Michael the archangel. Some people think that it's the Holy Spirit, which I'm inclined to believe that. But some think it's the church, or I just label this part the church's influence. only have two points here. The universal church does not have a limited restraining ministry on the world. What I say doesn't? It does have a limited. It doesn't have an unlimited. It does have a limited restraining ministry on the world. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to restrain their sin and to accomplish divine good which can influence others to do the same. Do you know that your attitude is contagious. If you get up and you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, this is what my dad used to do. When I was in high school, I hated this because I would stay up late and it was time to wake up. I didn't have an alarm clock. My alarm clock was him throwing the door open and he used to do this every morning. Oh, I hated that sound. And I would be trying to drag myself out of bed. He said, okay, let's be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I'm, I'm making all these faces. So some of us don't automatically wake up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. A lot of us look like warmed over death. And I don't drink coffee. Well, I drink it sometimes, but a lot of people drink it in the morning. And some people are like zombies until they get to their cup of coffee, you know, I have coffee. <laughs> and they, they feel like now they can breathe, they can live. But the restraining power on yourself, on your attitude, is going to be a help. It's going to help suppress the, if you will, wickedness, evil, all the darkness in other people. There's times that I know you can identify with this because I'm a person. I'm human just like you are. And I know that there are some times when I said, I'm tired of putting a lid on what I really want to say, what I really want to do. I just want to let it all hang out. I want to have a sorry, griping, complaining, caustic, odious attitude. And I don't care if anybody likes it or not, I'm going to do it. You ever been like that? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) And what happens is, I see the people start out, and they're at first they're kind of you know they're they're all right, and then I'm coming like a bear, and then they I can see they're tolerating, and if I don't let up, you know what happens? They sound and look just like me, because that bad attitude was contagious. I did not allow the Holy Spirit to restrain. We have free will, and I just wanted to. And it always works. You know what I always what happens usually? This is what happens to me. I always wind up apologizing. Well, I'm sorry I was such a jerk. Now you're a jerk. Now we're all jerks. Well, now what are we going to do? Well, we all got a rebound now. So this, in a, in a very practical sense, the restraining ministry on our lives as believers has an effect on putting a lid on what could take place that's not. The Holy Spirit is working through us because we all have lusts. We all have things, but we have, you know, our nature. Everybody wants to think all the dignity of man. Well, what does the Bible say? There is not one good. All of them are utterly, what what do we call it? We call it totally depraved. That's what we are. We are Christians that still have an old sin nature. And all we have to do is decide. What we do is give ourselves permission. Well, I put a lid on it long enough. I think I'm just going to let the tiger out. I'm just going to let him loose. 
We can do that. But when we aren't, when we don't have that and we, we're, we're trying to live the Christian way of life, we are confessing our sins. The Holy Spirit is, is helping us to apply what we've learned. That keeps the lid on everything. Because just face it, this is, this is where I'm going where you're going to see. When that ministry is gone, and there's no believers left on earth, and nobody gives a damn about what they say or what they do, there is no restraint. You'll know for sure that the restrainer, that ministry is gone. When the church-age believers are resurrected and translated, this restraining influence on others' behaviors will be gone. When you go to nearly any town, but especially I, I can think of Houston because I know it my way around there, how many hospitals are built by churches? There's a lot of them, aren't there? The church Now, a lot of these churches may be filled with a lot of unbelievers or some believers and some unbelievers. They may be off doctrinally, but they are trying to do good. And when that is gone, you start to get a picture. It gets dark very quickly. Second point, lawlessness will continue to get worse and worse, but the Holy Spirit will not let Satan go all the way in the church age. He will not, well, in other words, while the church is still here, he can't go as far as he would because the Holy Spirit not only in his sovereign, his sovereign power throughout the world is holding a lid on it, he's also through Christians, through believers, individually restraining themselves is part of that restraint. Once the rapture has occurred and the bride of Christ is safe in heaven, then the restrainer will be removed. Yes, it's, it's, it's not the restraining ministry. It will be restrained until it, until it, it or he is removed. The, once the, and do you see how everything has to fit? Everything is logical, and when the truth is, is, is seen, it's easy to accept because it falls into place. Why would the restrainer be removed with the bride of Christ who are believers... Why would they have to go through this wrath that is designed for unbelievers to begin with, but there would still be a restraint, if nothing else, in the believers themselves? It couldn't get as dark as it will get if believers were still on earth. You understand? But that isn't to say that it can't get dark even with believers here. It's getting pretty dark right now, isn't it? But we can know for certain it's, this isn't near as bad as it's going to be. Because God has to re remove believers and that restraining ministry through them as well as other restraints that the Holy Spirit does that we're not even aware of, that's going to be removed also. And so right off the get-go, you, you can see this is going to be worse than it ever has been. Verse 7. For the ministry of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. We'll take this apart. First of all, we have for the mystery of lawlessness. Mystery in the Greek is musterion, M-U-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. It's a noun, the nominative singular neuter. It means to make, manifest, or reveal a thing, previously secret or unknown. The mystery is the fact that there will come a time when evil and wickedness will reach a peak and there will be no restraints on it. In other words, what we're seeing, this, is a, this isn't a mystery to us because this is what the Word is revealing to us, even here in Second Thessalonians. And there's always been lawlessness, but there's never been lawlessness to this degree. It will peak, it will climax at this point. And that was a mystery to those in the past. Uh, I have further notes on that to explain it, but I'm just giving you a preview there. Is already at work, is in ergo, in ergeo, E-N-E-R-G-E-O. It's a verb. It's a present middle indicative. It's ongoing, it's ongoing. And it means to be at work, to be effective, operative. 
The present tense indicates that the mystery of lawlessness was already working, and indeed, it has continued to work up until the present time. So this isn't something that is going to start at the tribulation. It's been ongoing all this time, but it's been restrained. And we have a few verses. 1 John 2.18 Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. So we can see that this Mystery of lawlessness, this lawlessness has already started. And if we can tell that it's the last hour. Things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. But however worse they get, it's not going to be as bad as it could be until the restrainer is removed. And that's when it's going to happen right before the day of the Lord begins, the judgment phase. First John chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. By this you know the Spirit of God that you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. Is the spirit of Antichrist in the world now? Who? yeah, big time. And I think that it's going to get worse up until the time that the bottom falls out. There are people who are going to think, there's people now that think we're already in the tribulation. It is so bad for some people, they say, it can't get worse than this, the tribulation. I have a good joke about that, but I won't refrain giving No, Now, it says things, well, at least one in here. But I have enough. You know what I'm 50 already. People could walk in the paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Isn't that happening big time right now? Look how this was the first time the Antichrist has been revealed. They went to the But it was a mystery to them about the man of sin being revealed in all these things. The and translated, and its teachings diabolically Now I lost my place. I rolled it up, and I can't. There it is. Okay. Uh, when all these methods used by the professing church itself proved of no avail, the mastermind of iniquity guided human minds into paths of other ex, of, of the other extreme. And instead of the Bible being a closed book, it became a wide open book. And, incidentally, open to a new method of satanic attack. Among men, it became a virtue to be broad-minded, liberal in one's views, especially towards the Bible. This liberalism, the opposite to the bigotry of ecclesiasticism, assumed a hypercritical attitude towards the Word of God, and now, 300 years later, it has become almost universal. Its gospel is not the gospel of our crucified Lord and risen Savior, but a social gospel, the creed of which is human works and exaltation. The glory of man has eclipsed the glory of God, and the world is being prepared for a mastermind among men, a superman. The mystery of lawlessness is thus gradually approaching its final consummation in the man of sin. And you know what that's talking about. There was a time, you've heard of the dark ages. There was a time of, what was it, was it, I don't know how many, hundreds of years that truth was suppressed. The Catholic Church was romping and stomping, both in the state and in religion. And no one were, was learning, the, or very few were learning anything about the Word of God. That was part of the iniquity that was being suppressed. Satan, was, that was his way to try to suppress truth. But now it's in the open. You, you can't, I guess he figured out, I can't suppress the Bible. They're printing them out thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands every day. Everybody's got a Bible. Everybody's carrying the Bible. So he's, he's changed the strategy. Now what we'll do is just pervert it and contort it and abuse it. And that's what's happening now. This is still part of that lawlessness. 
We, got, we might as well get through this second one. And then we'll end. You ready? Okay. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 10. This is what we've been looking at with regards to the restrainer. This description portrays the lawless one or the man of sin from verse 3 who is to complete the satanic program of human exaltation which is really exaltation of Satan's and defiance of God. This is what we see is man exalting man. The outstanding conditions of lawlessness that is against God in the world today constitute primary factors which contribute to a peculiar state of affairs which shall exist according to satanic direction and prearrangement at the time of the appearance of the man of sin. You see where he says prearrangement here? The prearrangement means God is arranging it. Satan is trying to be prepared for it, but God is arranging the time that it's going to take place. And it's a peculiar state of affairs that will exist then. At the time of the appearance of the man of sin, a man then is being waited for. The, con the coming one is, listen to this, listen to this. Who is, everybody wants to, who is the man of sin? Who is the Antichrist? Well, it depends on who you ask. The coming one is the grand monarch of the new humanity cult. He is the coming imam of Mah uh, Mahdi, of the, he says, Mo Muslimans. I never heard of to call them Muslims. He's talking about the Muslims. And then you have, uh, he is the uh, Parasurama, the last incarnation of uh, Vishnu, waited for by the uh, Brahmins. The coming of Montezuma of the Aztecs, the false messiah of the apostate Jews, the great master of all sects of yoga, the ultimate man of the evolutionists, the uberminst of Nietzsche, the Hun philosopher who ravings prepared the way for world war. You know who that was? The divine product of the human race will be none other than the lawless one, the man of sin, the son of perdition, himself, the consummation of the mystery of lawlessness. So this mystery of lawlessness has not occurred and will not occur until the restrainer is removed, and then we'll have, we won't have, the world will have iniquity, wickedness, unrestrained, that it has never seen before. And you think it's bad now. Don't ever say, well, it can't get worse. Not only can it get worse, it's going to get worse. And aren't you thankful that we're not going to be here when it happens? Is that a sig howl or is that a... It's, well, the Bible says it's worse than it ever has or ever will be. So it's gotten bad in the past, but it'll never be that bad. All we can do is, is hypothesize. We can only imagine what it can be because nobody knows how bad it will be. And I think some of the people who think, who say that, well, yeah, we're going to go through it, I think, I think maybe they, they, they just don't realize how bad it's going to be. And I, I just can't see Jesus Christ putting his bride through something that is designed for those who have rejected the free gift of salvation, who are stiff-necked, God-hating, grace-rejectors. That doesn't describe us. Now, we're... <laughs> I'd like to say we're not saints, but we are saints. <laughs> we are saints, but we just don't act like it sometimes. And it's not designed for us. And, it, and that's when the restrainer will be taken off. Okay, uh, y'all have been good. You've been able to get through some of these uh, long quotes. By the way, when you see these quotes, and you may think they're long, you have no idea of how much I read and study to give you the best. 
Just be glad that I don't start. See, these, these are, they call them papers. They're journals and they're articles in papers. And if you start at the beginning, you read all the way down to the end, it takes about an hour for one paper. And for some, it would be like reading, I don't know, um, it, it would be drudgery. For me, it's not. I love to, to read these journals. I have to fight time to do it. But I love to do it because, well, not all people can do it because you have to have a frame of reference. It helps to know Hebrew and Greek. That's for one thing. That helps. Uh, because a lot of it is when they, when they go to a Greek uh, phrase, it's written in Greek. And if you don't know Greek, you, you might as well be Chinese. Uh, but I get the best of the best, as far as I can tell, that's most pertinent to what we're studying and give it to you. So if you think, boy, that was a long quote. I don't know if I can concentrate that long on that one. There was a restraint put on it. <laughs> I restrained myself from giving you the whole one. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you all have a sense of humor at the end. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have revealed these things to us. For a purpose. Every word is important for us to incorporate into our whole realm of thinking. The fact that we can anxiously anticipate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and not worry, which would be a sin, or be anxious or dread facing this Antichrist in this most horrible time. Your word reveals to us that because of your grace, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and your love for us, you will take us home and not experience these things. But it's important for us to know what's going to happen because there's others that will refuse to accept the gospel. And maybe something that we're learning here will help them understand that the cost of rejecting the free gift may be experiencing hell on earth. So we pray that you will help us to continue to focus and file this in long-term memory so that we can be good servants. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.